This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest way to make a beautiful website, portfolio, store, or blog that looks great on any browser, on any platform. If you go to squarespace.com and use the promo code THUMBS at checkout, you will get 10% off your order. Squarespace.com and the promo code THUMBS. Hooray! What is it? Yeah. Oh, it's October 28th, 20... I forgot the year. <laughs> professional <laughs> tight cast. Welcome it... to the professional tight cast. <laughs> Hear that sound, everyone. You know what it's time for. <laughs> professional tight cast. <laughs> this is Idle Thumbs 234. I'm Chris Remo. I'm James Spafford. I'm Jake Rodkin. I'm Nick Brecken. Hey! Oh, hey. Hey, if I say hey really excitedly, maybe it'll get like it'll get Nick riled up. You'll yeah. just welcome back, Nick. It'll jazz him up. I'm feeling pretty jazzed. Yeah, that's what I thought. Jazzed. <laughs> you played a game with blues music. I did. Well, I wouldn't. I don't know if I call that blues jazzed, music. Uh, Rebel Galaxy. Yes. And from uh, Eric Schaefer and Travis Baldry, who are former. Oh, I did not know that. Oh. I had now no you idea. know. Oh. I didn't. I, th- they, I you just mentioned this game, and I'm like, oh, yeah. right, I'll play this game. Yeah, no, this is from X Runix slash X Blizzard North developers, Eric yeah. Schaefer and Travis Baldry. So Eric Schaefer was <clears> one <throat> of the uh, yes old old um, idle thumbs guests. That's true. Well, that's not what I was. Talking about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he was somewhere between episode 49 and episode 50. We had a special episode that interviewed him. Yeah, yeah. one of the old old. <laughs> But he also goes friends way, of the show. But he also goes way back to Diablo One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Travis Baldry, but where he got his start, though. Let's you know, <laughs> yeah, right. well, yeah. where he took off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then Travis Baldry worked at Runic on um, on Torchlight. Yes. But before that, made his own game called Fate. Oh, right. That's right. He did. Yeah. Join he Runic. wasn't Blizzard. Well, right? I think did he join around what Hell Hellscape Hell. Yeah, Hel- uh, Hel- 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 Hellgate London. London. There it is. Oh, that yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, they they, they basically acquired him because he was yes. making that game, and then they started making their own. That's right. They were making it. What you said? You said it. Fate. Yeah. Or, yeah. Right. Or, they, or fate was his, I think, and then they were making. They were making another it, one, like yeah. mythic or something. It was a very strange I can't, period I can't in their history. Anyway, anyway, th- these are two guys who worked on Diablo and Diablo style games for many many years, and I had, I had no idea that they. Um, made this game called rebel galaxy mm-hmm. but now that you've said that yeah it is it makes, makes a ridiculous so amount of sense because i have never played a game like this before not because any of the component parts are unusual it is basically a game made up of a ton of very familiar component parts yes. parts combined in a very unusual way yeah so this is essentially a space exploration game <clears throat> that plays kind of like a diablo or that is structured like a Diablo style RPG, but in the minute in the moment to moment gameplay, you're basically piloting a ship around on a 2D plane, strangely mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Like you're flying through space, but you don't have full six degrees of freedom. Um, you know, in contrast to like sub level zero, which we talked about recently. Um, you are basically just essentially traversing an enormous 2D world map that is you know rendered like weird that it's 2d yeah it's because the point of it is just 
the combat is like World War Two broad. You know what this like, game is? I realized. I think the actual the closest point of contact to me is um, uh, Sid Meier's Pirates. Okay, yeah. I totally. think it's actually pretty close. Yeah, that's a good point. In a lot of different ways. And in this way in particular, though, in the combat, in the sense that it is, yeah, it's like broadside based. So you're constantly sort of angling. Strafing. Yeah, only. you're strafing and angling for sort of a vector that would give you an advantage over the other ship. Yeah. And then there are sort of different, like, you know, weapon types that you can fire at any particular time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it does. It is, it is true that outside of that, it feels like a very strange sort of mishmash of things that feel very familiar like like um freelancer Picking up is another big and, is yeah, another you, big yeah. touchstone I, mm-hmm. I feel but also it doesn't really feel like freelancer at all freelancer was very much just like an actual like space sim right. with like yeah. a you know light rpg kind of coding um yeah this is this feels like a, a, di- a sort of you know a fairly uh unique take on all of that stuff you know it feels like it's, it has its own flavor yeah and cowboy rock yeah, cover. Uh, oh, and the reason I said blues is because the first music oh, you hear yes, yes. when you first go into it actually is like Robert Johnson style yeah. straight blues music, which I just a guitar, and yeah. I was like, "Wow, this is an interesting choice." Like, yeah. I thought I assumed this was going to be sort of Firefly style. That's what I thought too. Rock. And then suddenly and then the lyrics it. launch in, and <laughs> yeah. you're just like, "What is like?" It's yeah. really odd. It's nothing about. It's so funny. It's such a. This is a very odd. This is a very odd experience playing a, a game that I wasn't aware of. Because usually when I, when I'm recommended a game and just out of nothing, you know, just out of nowhere, like I didn't know anything about this and I played it at least in recent years, my experience has been either, oh, okay, I see what kind of thing this is. Like it's, you know, like this, but it's like, like X, but Y, Mm -hmm. or it's basically exactly like X or it's, you know, pretty much half X, half Y or whatever. Or it's like, whoa, this is like just completely crazy and I had no idea what I was getting into. Downwell is an example of that. Yeah. You know, it's like I had no clue what that was going to be. And it was just a really, you know, interesting, cool thing that is really unusual. This game is strange because it is just yeah. a bunch of different components of familiar games. Not just like two or three, but just a bunch of totally different things mm-hmm. arranged in a way that is really strange. Like I got into it and I thought I was just didn't know the controls because I couldn't figure out how to angle my ship in 360, yeah. to, you know, like full six degrees. And I'm like, what am I? D- well, you start making assumptions. Like I exactly the second I got in, I was like, oh, okay, so this is just like an arcadey thing. And then I realized very quickly, like, oh no, there's this, uh, you know, a space station that I can like dock at and do right. all these sort of like yeah. higher fidelity things. But then that sort of implies like a much larger game that doesn't really exist. I mean, it is still a very straightforward: get a mission, go out, shoot some stuff. And That's come like a back. like a Wing Commander type structure. Uh, it's like elite more th- okay. more than that. I think there is sort of like a economy simulation going on where different mm. areas of the world map have different demands, and there are um, you know there's a there's a whole list of commodities that can be traded and etc. Okay. etc. But but it, but it does have that thing where you just go into a space station and you go to the mission board and you basically vacuum up yeah. all the available missions. And which is like Diablo, the, right? Yeah, which I mean, is exactly, yeah, which is like yeah. Diablo. And then you go out in your world map and you see in the little thumbnail map in the corner all your little – They're just pinged as Pings points, yeah. are just all out there yep. across the galaxy and they're like, oh, OK. Well, you know, one of them is your primary goal and you can set whichever one you want to be your primary and the other ones are just there. And then on your way to them, you can go into sort of uh, warp speed, you know, faster than light travel to really speed through the galaxy. But instead of that just zipping you there in a second, it just means you actually go really fast through – the physical space itself, which means you can be interrupted by 
like hazards in the way or enemies who open fire at you while you're zooming by and it will just the game will just wrench you out of light right. speed and then you're back into the game so it's a it's it has elements of that's kind of diablo or mmo style rpg and it has elements of like a space exploration game and it has just this kind of unusual broadside naval style combat um and then all of the fiction and the way everything looks and feels and sounds to me basically it was it when you pointed out the blizzard connection mm, this was funny yeah because this is like exactly oh, if someone played starcraft <laughs> <Yeah>. 2 but <laughs> totally. only played the cutscenes and yeah. didn't play any of the real-time strategy part they just played the parts where you're like going to sort of space dive bars and kind of just like big beefy men stomping around with each other and like (laughs) chomping cigars like that if you're just like oh what game would contain this and you'd never heard of real-time strategy games because that stuff has nothing to do with actually what is going on in starcraft the video game part um this is what you would basically make maybe why is it the big beefy men thing specific like that that to me is like it's the aspect what, of it what body type would fit inside space marine armor that's like that's got to be I all guess that it so. is right like I guess if you look at the warhammer 40k space marine guy and then just stripped him yeah. down well, to that... his like heart chipped <laughs> boxers yeah it's yeah. like a little to his, thin to his meundies guy. right <laughs> <laughs> i mean in the, in the case Wacky of blizzard ones. yeah you definitely draw a line to warhammer and warhammer 40k and that stuff is like that even when there is space. So, but yeah. this seems like it's now just like this that's is, the aesthetic that we're well, living this in. This game is a little – it's a few degrees off from that because there, there are a lot more sort of crazy alien shapes oh, man, in this game than there are shapes. in StarCraft. So like okay. in this game, you go into – the first guy you meet who gives you your initial mission is kind of this like crazy sort of half Cthulhu, half <laughs> just like cartoon man with big teeth alien who actually like it's really well rendered and well animated and like yeah think he has he speaks a sort of just uh, a f- sort of an alien language that is well acted like all that stuff is actually really well put together as it is in in the starcraft 2 cutscenes i ho- i my does liquid in, in like whiskey tumblers swirl around as nicely as it <laughs> does mean, in starcraft 2 all the bars have a bartender wearing like a suit vest and yeah. you know like a yeah, nice could be enamored by that guy. as they yeah. should yeah. Yeah. you know different guys but they all wear that uniform <laughs> um which is yeah. funny nick actually i have a question for you you've probably played more of it than i have yeah is is the game other than having aliens in it is the game any more diverse than just beefy dudes because it feels it feels like it yeah. should be more so at least than Starcraft Two is, I, but I don't know yet I, if that's I honestly the case. haven't paid enough attention to really the the narrative layer to, yeah. to actually even <laughs> say I have to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Right? Mankind was wiped out except for the beefy dudes who were out in space <laughs> being men. <laughs> <laughs> so this is. I have I have no real point of reference to this game because I haven't played it. So what I'm going to say is potentially just complete nonsense. But when you were describing it as a collection of of familiar things, but maybe in a way that you weren't exactly expecting, the the company that seems to be described as that very consistently is Supergiant Games. I imagine this is, <clears throat> the feeling is very different, even though that descriptor probably matches. Yeah, mm. it is very different because in a Supergiant game, at least in the two Supergiant games that have been released so far. The Which ba- is Bastion and Transistor, sorry, for yeah, people who don't yeah, know the developer. Sorry, sorry, yes. Um, the basic thing you do in that game is, like, you have a character who just kind of runs around hitting things. And uh, especially in Transistor, the combat is a lot more complex than that. And Transistor maybe gets a little bit more into what you're talking about. But Bastion especially is, like, completely intuitive just from sort of 
square one. Yeah, that's you true. know this this game like that game is like you're an avatar in a world. You are literally represented. Mm-hmm. You're on a plane, like a flat plane. You run along it. You hit A to swing your hammer. And like you know, what I mean, it's 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 not. The, that's true. The, the surprise to me in super giant games tends to come at least in the first couple hours from how how much sort of stuff there is inside of their game outside of just click right. guys and sort of how leveling and upgrading and like a base in bastion like yes. sort of start unfurling as you play the game when you what you think it's going to be is just uh, a straightforward a, a click on guy game yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah the, the surprise and the sort of depth in a super giant game comes from kind of s- continued slow embellishment of very straightforward familiar systems mm-hmm. in a way that like ends up creating this kind of big scaffold that you so understand super well giant, the game. super giant ends up being baroque as fuck right exactly it. but it but you know very approachably because none of the things approachably baroque on, chris <laughs> none of the things they add on are like weird or obtuse whereas in uh rebel galaxy at least to me and this might not be the if you'd been following the game this probably wouldn't happen to you but just going into rebel galaxy without mm-hmm. any grounding just the it's not so much that that i got a very like basic framework that was then layered on top of it was like i this combination of things is totally shocking to me right from the start like like i said i i literally kept trying to figure out why my ship couldn't go up and down you know mm-hmm. and like you you hit well what's, forward on the on yeah. the uh the stick that would normally kind of pitch you down right and it slows you down instead and i'm like i don't and i hit every button on the controller every stick and button on the controller trying to point out and you just can't that's not what the game is but you would never guess that by looking at a screenshot of it. Whereas if you look at a screenshot of Bastion, or if you look at a screenshot of Transistor, especially if it's in the combat sequence, you can basically figure out like, oh, I, I see what's going on there. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why I brought up Pirates, because I feel like that game, if you look at a screenshot of that game, you you would fully understand this is a top-down perspective. Yeah. Uh, this is all about, you know... Well, it's also on an ocean. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, the so combat, it's an actual the combat plane, field you're is actually plane, drawn. You know what I mean? Like, you're actually... Yeah, it's there. Yeah. Um, whereas this is... And it, the, the sort of jarring thing about that, too, is that other ships can go... In three, yeah, in other ships space. like zoom so all around you. So just, you have to, you can, your camera yeah. can point up and down in any direction Strange. because you aim. It's kind of like in Doom, how yeah, if it an is. enemy is, totally ab- is above you and you shoot them, you will just shoot at them, even though you can't actually right. point your gun upward. Man, I'm waiting for the reader mail to say you guys totally can just go up <laughs> and have your perspective of this game completely ruined. God, God, my my mind would explode. More than it has ever exploded before. Like, and again, did you not try pressing page up and page down? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Number lock. Yeah, control and up. That's These controls cannot be accessed from the inferior console controller right. uh, input method. Yeah. Uh, that was what happened to me when I when I um, when the uh, reissue of uh, the X Wing and Tie Fighter games came out several months ago. Oh, yeah. And I, like, and I downloaded them and like half of the, there just aren't, there are just more inputs than fit on a console controller. Chris, if you had, if you had the, the, the true controller for that, which is a flight stick that contains 35 buttons accessible from your thumb <laughs> and then four more on like an off pad right. serial port <laughs> adjunct dongle. Yeah. Uh, then you'd be, you know, I've like, got that. <laughs> I still have on your flight stick. Nick, how many pedals do you have plugged in? <laughs> I don't have the pedals. I mean, Tie Fighter is not even not even anywhere. I mean, Tie Fighter is still basically an arcade game relative to the actual depths of the flight. Yeah. Tie Fighter genre. 
<laughs> what did I say? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, um, oh of an actual, of an actual fighter? fighter. Please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please, I've got 70 hours my, clocked. And my, my simulation sphere. Right. My, my TIE fighter ball. I roll around my living room. TIE fighter ball. Please, Chris. <laughs> what? What's yours? <laughs> Whatever. My scale model Death Star ball. Yeah. They're the same ball, but I swap out the decals that I paste on the inside of the cockpit. And I sort of like scrunch down when I'm in the Death Star, Star one. So the I Death feel Star one like, makes yeah, a more ominous noise when I roll. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it scares my cat more. Um, it's a giant version of that BB 8 toy. <laughs> oh, that's what's inside that thing. A small, it's just a tiny, tiny Death Star. <laughs> That's the twist in that oh, movie. Yeah. It gets violent. Right. <laughs> when that robot just hovers a few inches off the ground, it goes, Boop, and then just the planet explodes. Yeah. 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 You know, it's 30 years later. They've technology's increased. I mean, like, think about what we can fit in a phone. <laughs> so true. when Star Wars came That's out, true. took up like a room or a whole building. <laughs> right. Maybe that robot's a Death Star. Yeah. Moore's about- Law. <laughs> <laughs> you can fit a Death Star in such a tiny uh, compartment these days. <laughs> That's the kind of like you know how in the <laughs> shitty keynote for that CES was just terrible. It was like what? Oh, just this the, the, oh, the in CES the world keynote. of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, I guess we had we had that Intel CEO showing like spider droids. So I guess you know what were you going to say? Have Steve G G apostrophe OBS. <laughs> One more thing. Steve Gobbs. Stove Gobo. Stove Gobo. <laughs> Noted tech entrepreneur. Yeah. So, uh... That's he just dresses galaxy. like regular Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah. He's got boots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Re- Rebel Galaxy? Is that what we're talking about? That was, I mean, allegedly, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was until we started talking about Stove Gobo. True. Um, it's cool. I like I I like that game. Yeah, no, I, I, it's it's interesting. It's fun. I mean, it's it's the kind of game that because of the mission structure being what it is, you can kind of just play as much as you want of it at any given. Yeah, time. you know what I mean. Like you, the, it just immediately quits out and immediately puts you back into the exact same spot. It's that kind of game. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. Um, and you, yeah, it's a fairly predictable like yeah. experience. Well, it's and it's sort of like I don't mean this. To be like insulting, but I mean this is the same way I feel about, for for instance, Runix games like the Torchlight games. Yeah. It's sort of low mental investment. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you kind of just want something that is looks pretty and that you can just kind of tool around with for any amount of time. This game does that. Like it's you yeah, know that I, was I, you with Torchlight One, wasn't exactly, it? Exactly, that was totally me with Torchlight One. Yeah, yeah. precisely. Um, and often I'll like listen to a podcast while I'm playing games like that, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's yeah, a good game for that. Cool. Yeah. Rebel Galaxy. It's on Steam right now. It's not, it's not early access or anything, is it? No, no, it's out. It's out yeah. for, for real. I mean, it didn't seem like it necessarily <clears throat> was. It's on console as well, but I'm not sure oh. which. Okay. Yeah. Check your local might listings. Be, might be both, listings. actually. Cool. Or however, oh, you mean how... it might be two? Yeah, two of them. Out of the three. I give it a two out of three. <laughs> Xbox, Xbox One, and Xbox 360. Oh, I thought Nick was referring to it being on uh, the PS4 and the Wii U when he said it's on both. 
Because, <laughs> I mean, Microsoft really blew E3 like two years ago, right? They're pretty much lost <laughs> they're, the they're console gone, war then. Yeah. If you ask me, yeah. um, if you ask and my Jay. YouTube comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Jay. Jay. Jay oh, Allard. Jay. Jay Allard, my good buddy. Is this Jay News? Huh? Is he a surface? Well, no, he's not. He, he resurfaced years ago and nobody noticed. It turns out that Jay Allard has a Twitter account and it is just at Jay Allard. I was really hoping that it would be at Jay, but just that's the letter, the letter J. Jay, Jay, yeah. But that's some lady got that. That, uh, like, so, like some in 2007. In, yeah, some, some incredibly early Twitter fan. adopter beat Jay Allard to the punch. He could not predict, he was ahead of the time. I thought he was an early adopter. In many ways, but out. he could not, he could not predict the rise of, of Twitter. But Jay at Jay Allard exists, um, which means that we now have a pseudo public way to directly contact Jay Allard at all times. Even though I don't think that he responds to tweets ever, because like he tweets about every year. No, I mean, he does not. He has he tweeted once in the last five years. No, he 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 tweeted once like a year ago, and then before that, yeah, it was like five, it was like five years ago. So what did he say? I was, it must have been pretty. It was not important. It was about his. It's, just it's bike about bike company. safety or whatever. Oh. Jay Allard's about my bike. Jay Allard. Okay, so it is my hope. <laughs> just, this is a rude thing to do to to Jay Allard, Bart. but it, it comes from a genuine place. It is my hope that um, he still has his Twitter notifications set so to their default here's settings. Why he probably does. Is because most of those settings were probably added after he last used Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And every time Twitter adds a new feature that causes a notification on your phone, it just opts you into it. Right. So this has made me realize. Which means fave his tweets. Like do all the things that might. Like just, no, I'm just saying. You can. He, you can. If he turned off. Re- like regular just reply notifications probably existed when he last used Twitter. That's true. But what might not have existed is retweeting notifications and fave notifications right. and mention notifications. If you're, if you're not catching the picture that we're trying to paint here, this is an opportunity to potentially actually ask Jay Allard to appear on an episode of Idle Thumbs, yeah. which will not happen um, because he's Jay Allard and we're a podcast that is recorded in a room with a painting of Jay Allard on its wall. Um, <laughs> but in the event that he's maybe interested and we don't know how to get a hold of him in any other way, uh, if if one who listens to this podcast were so inclined to send a tweet to at Jay Allard saying it would be awesome if you would be a guest on the Idle Thumbs podcast, who knows what would happen? Maybe his Zoom would melt from the number of notifications it was receiving. <laughs> did, did they ever release a Twitter client for Zoom? I don't. I don't know if Zooms even so. have the internet. Um, oh, his man. Microsoft Courier prototype that he still has. <laughs> or no, was that what it was? Surface. It was the old Surface. No, the old Surface no, the was courier. the huge table. The Courier was the uh, two-screened okay, yeah, book, right. uh, book yeah. iPad you're thing. Right, you're right. Um, <laughs> fill up both displays of Jay Allard's Courier prototype with emails about how he should be on Idle Thumbs from the Twitter account that he doesn't even remember creating. <laughs> so, man, when when this podcast began... Eight fucking years ago, however long it was, gross. Um, he was act- he was actively tweeting. I know we're we idiots. Never, we never tweeted. That was the time. That was. I mean, he was really bummed when Idle Thumbs stopped at episode fifty, and he stopped tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Those things actually happened right around the same time. Did you ever check to see if he was a backer? Did you look through? He was not. He was not. <laughs> yeah. We we would we would have noticed <laughs> when that came through. I mean, he's got to be on other forms of social media, right? He's on LinkedIn. He's got to have a LinkedIn. He's gotta... Jake, Jake is connected to him on LinkedIn. Oh. He accepted my connection, but I've been too chicken to email him or send him a LinkedIn message. 
Hmm. Maybe he got confused when he saw your invitation and thought it was him. He thought it was just like one of his other. I am listed as Jay Rodkin on all professional networks and hope that I get to sort of like bite Jallard's glow. Right. <laughs> notable, J- notable J- Jays. Notable Jays. A new LinkedIn group. Yeah. Can you have groups on LinkedIn? Yeah, there's tons of groups. Okay, Jay, I don't. I don't go there. Jay Rodkin. Mean, J K Rowling. It's just JG, me. JG Edwards. It's me. <laughs> it's, it's me. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, JGL. And those guys all hanging out. And JLR. And Jay Rudkin. No one calls me I that, but, they, but not yet. <laughs> um, anyway, cool, that's just, just drop them in the middle of the episode in the hopes that maybe someone thinks about telling Jay Allard that his presence would be appreciated and desired on this podcast. Yeah. He, we could take the painting down. Why? Just when he's here, if he's oh, uncomfortable. He's here. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Get, we get elevated. Just cover too. it. Man, what if he signs <laughs> just the Just cover it? What's behind there? <laughs> oh, Nothing. man. That it's a work in be, progress. That's going to be the best <laughs> conspicuously draped painting. So but it's like, what's, well what's, that, what's that covered up painting next to the painting of Bobby Kotick? <laughs> oh, uh, hmm. You'll, You'll see. see. <laughs> we should probably just leave the jail at one covered until he comes back to Twitter. Just symbolically, yes. Uh, yeah. Could we then link it? Could we then link it to a webcam that is constantly streaming on the website? Is Jay Allard tweeting yet? Dot com, and just when you go there and you see that the sheet is still over the painting, you know that he's not. That's that's probably what it should be. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I think the subject is complete. It's definitely more than complete. Um, uh, or is it the end? Question mark. Will Jay Allard return? It's up to you, readers. <laughs> Tweet at Jay Allard. Anyway. Uh, do you guys want to take a break? Yeah. Sure. Want to go tweet Jay Allard real quick? Okay. Okay. Video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace, the best, the fastest, and the easiest way to make your own beautiful and responsive website, online store, portfolio, or blog. You do not need to know how to code. It's incredibly straightforward. You can sign up. Without a credit card, I've done this. It's like the easiest trial to sign up for. You can start making your site immediately. And uh, we've had a number of Idle Thumbs podcast readers who have written us in to tell us about the sites that they made with Squarespace using our code THUMBS to save 10%. And this week, uh, I am sure I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but Marius Zerkcher I'm sorry. He says, after a rough year framed by family issues, I finally started my company this summer. Um, through all of it, I've been listening to the podcast and it always made me happy. So when I thought of making a website, of course, I thought about Squarespace and your offer code. Um, their site is 1520.eu. That's 1520 spelled out. Um, they are basically as a an event planning and consultant consultancy company aimed at sort of helping hospitality and event companies uh, reach young people. And they're based in the Netherlands, but they seem to operate in Europe generally. So if you want to go check that out, they're at 1520.eu. It is a very pretty site. I'm looking at it on my phone as usual, and it works fine. And I can browse around it and go to their different pages in multiple languages and read all about their services. That is, was made with Squarespace, squarespace.com, and the promo code THUMBS for 10% off. Video This episode of Idle Thumbs is also brought to you by Casper Mattress. 
They make mattresses, you'll be shocked to learn. And they're very comfy. I've slept on a Casper mattress. And if you go to casper.com slash thumbs and use the promo code thumbs, you will get $50 off any mattress purchase. Spaff. I heard through the grapevine, which was your mouth. Is my mouth the grapevine? That it is that you have a Casper mattress I that do. you sleep on. I didn't know that until today. There you go. I'm not in the habit of telling people about my mattress. I mean, I suppose that's fair enough, but this is the perfect venue to do so. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm Everyone will hear. comes in a tiny box, which and is then explodes out and of yeah, it. And yeah, just like, <laughs> becomes a mattress. Yep. Um, and it's super comfortable. I recommend it to you, Nick Bracken. Yeah. I'm thinking about buying a Casper. Well, you could get $50 off. I'm probably going to do it. <laughs> probably this week actually Hopefully that's not a conflict or anything it's probably fine just go do it nick you will buy one and it will be comfortable as fuck oh. casper.com slash thumbs promo code thumbs 50 dollars off an already cheap it'll mattress. like unfurl out of a box <laughs> that's what i want plus you get like, that's really why i'm buying it what i want is for everyone who hosts idle thumbs to eventually be sleeping on a casper mattress because we've got vanaman on one we've got true. spaff on one that's true we can get nick on one then it's just chris and i left Mm-hmm. There you go. If you don't like it after 100 days, you can give it back. They'll take it, which is pretty cool for That's an cool. online yeah. mattress. Like a, you know, even even a mattress at that affordable is a pretty big buy. So it's cool that they will do that. Yeah, yeah. I bet few people do. I suspect that as well. Casper.com/thumbs with the promo code thumbs for fifty dollars off. Thanks, Casper. Thanks, Chris. Video game. I'm Casper. My grandpa used to call me Jasper. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you've got to get a Casper mattress to honor your grandfather. <laughs> no, I hated it. <laughs> I hated him. I wish he would have called me Casper like his comfortable mattress. Right. I wish, yeah. I wish I had a 100-day trial on my grandfather. <laughs> wow. Oh, no. Your name is actually Jasper. <laughs> Jasper Brecken. Yeah, it was legally changed. By you to Nick. <laughs> or illegally changed. <laughs> I'm actually Jay Brecken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Welcome to our notable Jay's LinkedIn group. <laughs> we can hang out with yeah. J.K. Rowling and J.J. <laughs> J. Abrams Tolkien. and J.R.R. Tolkin. <laughs> and Jay Peterman. Jar Jar Binks. Oh, man. Jay oh, Peterman. Jay Peterman, yeah. Nice poll. Are we back? We we never left, Chris. Oh. Let's talk about Jasper and stuff. Uh, so I have been playing an iOS game uh, called The Sequence. This game was recommended to me by... Is this like a self-help, self-actualizing <laughs> type situation? Uh, possibly. Are I you guess about to try and indoctrinate us? This is the science. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll find out as I play more of it. You can. I mean, I'm not going to know because I'll be indoctrinated, but you can observe my behavior and... Do it, you know, let me know on a future podcast. If, if the sequence has you. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was recommended to me by someone I don't know. So it's totally possible. By a robed figure in the BART station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was recommended to me by Idle Thumbs reader Andrew Cobb, who tweeted me, have you checked out the iOS game, The Sequence? It's fantastic and seems right up your alley. And it was 99 cents. And so, you know. A minute after he tweeted that at me, I just I just bought it. Yeah, you're you, there's some atoms in your brain that have definitely been reorganized into a parasite at this point. Yeah, for sure, that's true. I can't stop buying c copies of this same game 
again and again. They're only nine. It's only ninety nine cents. <laughs> you buy them all within each other, and that is the sequence. Yeah, it's just the in game purchase is yeah. just the sequence. The, the sequence two. Purchase, the sequence the three. Sequence, the purchase sequence four. The sequence. <laughs> you have advanced the sequence. <laughs> So what is the sequence, Chris, now that we've established what the sequence is? The sequence is a puzzle game for iOS. It might be for other mobile platforms as well, for all I know. Uh, the closest comparison for this game by far, by far, by far, by far, at least that I've played recently, is Space Chem, which actually just came up on the podcast in a couple episodes recently by way of talking about Infinifactory, which was... Uh, the same developer as Space Chem. Space Chem was a 2D puzzle game that in which you sort of create an assembly line loosely based on principles of um, like molecular bonding, uh, essentially. This game is very similar in the sense that you have... Basically what happens in this game is you have to create an, like sort of an assembly line Rube Goldberg uh kind of device that will move a little circle from a starting point to an ending point. And so you have to connect, you have to sort of put down machines that will push the little disc and like rotate it around. And then other machines that will push and rotate the machine, the first machines that you put down. And like you essentially have to just create a big interlocking sequence that will move a just a continual flow of these little discs from the start point to the end point. Um, you know, it's like the, uh, the incredible machine or something, but, uh, in sort of modern, very flat aesthetic, you know, very stylish looking kind of thing. Um, this game feels a little bit more accessible to me than space cam. Um, space because space cam is a game that I really loved and played a lot of, but also past a point, it kind of feels like you have to be just a full on genius to keep playing it. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are people who I probably know people who played all the way through the thing and, you know, just, just really, that was that it does all clicked with them perfectly. Um, I definitely hit a wall and I may very well hit a wall with this game as well. Um, but so far there's something about it that feels a little bit, um, there's a little bit more of the kind of Rube Goldberg feel and a little bit less of the, um, the kind of complexity of rules that I remember from space chem. Um, and a lot of what, a lot of what I find myself doing in this game and space chem has some of that as well. But a lot of what I find myself doing in the sequence is stuff like ensuring that the more efficient little pusher puller rotating, modules, uh, the ones that sort of do their job faster, a lot of my time is spent slowing them down, like making them less efficient so that they don't sort of outrun the slower modules, so to speak, and then cause my little, you know, widgets to get backed up, which then will cause your whole machine to fail. Like if you, if you ever just like push a little module or a widget into a wall or into another so module you're, you're or anything, like, you will lose. You're like covering for your inefficient workers. You're like a union. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, and um, it's greedy devs. Greedy devs. Lazy devs. Lazy devs. Um, 
I mean, <laughs> much the opposite, actually, of Greedy Devs, Lazy Devs. This is a $1 game that is extremely well-polished and well-made. Mm. And How many free updates have come out, I ask you? I have no idea. But mm. I, it was... Lazy Devs? This kind of thing... I know that there's been a lot of talk recently on... Just throughout Twitter and on blogs and so on about the like so-called indie apocalypse and whether... There are too many games or what on Steam and, every, and on App Store and everywhere else. I don't really know the answer to any of those things. But it is. But you do know that you did not know that the people who made Torchlight and Diablo had a new fully featured game yeah. coming out until you, it was exactly. already out. And that, so. and that some guy on Twitter just recommended me a 99 cent game that I never probably would have heard of at all that is totally up my alley and extremely well polished. It's just crazy to me how many completely and like full featured you know, ambitious, well-made, well-polished games are failing because there are too many of them. <laughs> I mean, maybe I have no idea. Maybe not. I have no. I I don't know how the makers of the sequence are doing. I mean, I think iOS is probably a way more brutal environment than yeah. than Steam. Still, the makers of the sequence is hopefully the name of the sequel <laughs> to the sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the 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 uh, level menu is basically a sort of. Ab, a kind of abstracted version of a microchip or something where I'm I'm connecting nodes that are then all sort of ultimately pointing in to a big central something that I don't know what it's going to be when I beat all the levels and all the little nodes light up. Um, I don't may, maybe yeah, this should have been the maybe it's frog fractions game, too. Where you just complete oh, the yeah. AI that then just kicks off the game. Okay. I forgot that they did that. Yeah, yeah. They released the little yeah. Tales Principle little yeah. game as a mobile game. Did you have you have you downloaded that? Have you played it? Uh, just a little bit. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's essentially the 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 mini game that's within the actual game. But, the yeah. like five seconds that you showed me of the sequence was incredibly compelling. That game looks very very mm-hmm. well done. It's really slick. Yeah, it's just it's just very very. Well made. The rhythm of your successfully operating machine was also really hypnotic mm-hmm. to watch. Like yeah. it has, even though it's completely abstracted, simple, top-down sort of iOS-looking shapes, it has a fully working sequence machine. Even from like the, the three seconds that I saw, you can create the satisfaction of like assembly line gifs where you watch the right. where you watch the, the ice cream sandwich get made and it <laughs> yeah. perfectly loops. Yeah. Where this is like the disc comes down and the hand grabs it and spins around and then like a couple lights change color. Then another hand grabs that and puts it in the bin. Yep. And just watching that cycle seamlessly forever has the same satisfaction mm-hmm. to me. Of, yeah, of watching like chain links get made or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's pretty good. Yep. Yep. That's exactly true. It's very some you know sometimes you you a level is pretty uh, straightforward and you just kind of go through it and then sometimes. You want, at least very frequently, I'll end up having to solve a level in sort of three stages where the first stage is like, okay, just get one disc from point A to point B. I don't know what these things actually are. They're, I'm just calling them discs. They're circles, <laughs> but I don't know what they actually are. You get one from point A to point B, but then immediately everything starts backing up and, and like just collapsing because just it's not sustainable. It's just, you know, only the first one works right before it all falls apart. And then the second phase is like, Okay, I'm just kind of trying things to try and make the wheels spin a little more cleanly, and I'm kind of succeeding, but there's like bugs to work out. And then the third phase is like, oh man, I see the the thing that makes me use every, exactly every piece they gave me in a beautiful way, and it all comes together. And then the the ones where you have to go through those three phases are the ones where it's very satisfying to you know, like you when you're watching your your completed creation. More accurately, when it's being tested and you're watching the test of it happen, 
you can play at sort of normal speed, 2x or 3x. And usually I'll just put it on 3x because I don't want to wait for it to painstakingly go through this whole process. But when I've just gone like sort of gone through a big mental breakthrough and I'm like, oh, hell yes, this one was crazy. And I did it. I will leave it on the slow, stately 1x playback. Right, and just, to just sort of watch it unfold. In yeah. The, yeah, in the intric- intric- intricate machinery I have constructed. You'll observe your sequence. You'll observe the sequence. Exactly, yes. I, it is That is when I perceive the sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what this game is also secretly teaching me to do. Right. Yeah, when when you when all the main menu stuff converges, your phone's just going to blink white for a second and some like supersonic audio will play. Um and then you're, you'll and perform, then a dog will freak out. Perform your yeah, a dog will freak out, the and then you'll be a libertarian. And I'll be the Manchurian candidate. Yeah, you'll be the new Mister Rogers. What? You will then reveal uh, film <laughs> no, because... B roll of manufacturing yes. happening. Oh, you. thank you, Jake. <laughs> yeah, we'll watch a trombone assemble itself yeah. to the sound effects of trombones, and crayons <laughs> will just come pouring out of everywhere. <laughs> Did you know that Mister Rogers' actual name was Mister Neighbor? <laughs> His real name. So I thought as a child. Much to, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to be my much neighbor? To the, much to the protestations of my, of my mother, who insisted his name was Fred Fred Rogers. And I said, no, he's everyone's neighbor. His real name is Mr. Neighbor. His television nickname is Mr. Rogers. It's Mr. Rogers. Yeah. I was also convinced that Mr. Rogers' show was live. And so when it cut from him being in his house to being in like the mountains, I was amazed. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers very subtly used the magic of editing to confuse and delight the shit out of children. Just the stupid walking offset into the other set. And then the train comes in and maintains continuity. Yep. Maybe those were next to each other. Yep. Probably they just cut the camera. (laughs) That was a good show. Yeah. I've never seen it. Oh, no, it's it was fantastic. Good. It's you good had one. to watch the Wombles. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> I may have won. The mm-hmm. Wombles have won? The Wombles of Wimbledon Common. You don't know of them. I do know of them. I've seen them on YouTube. They're amazing. They're very English. Very British. <laughs> Which are they? Very horrible. <laughs> English. They're specifically English. Yeah, okay. Probably. Yeah. Uh, you went to some kind of festival. You went to Indicade. Yes. You went to WombleCon. Went to WombleCon <laughs> Womble in Com- Wimbledon. <laughs> on Wimbledon Common. <laughs> it was fantastic. No, you went to IndieCade. Went to Independent Cade. I did. <laughs> the uh, end of IndieCade, the independent arcade. Yeah. I like IndieCade. Have you been to IndieCade? I've never been to IndieCade. I've never have either. And I'm, I've always, I'm always told that I've, I've, I'm really missing out. And it's Nick, have you been to IndieCade? I haven't. Okay, no one has gone to IndieCade. It's a really no fun one cool festival so it takes place in culver city in los angeles in a parking lot in some tents which is really already completely different from any yeah wait really like convention or anything really go to really yeah uh also it's always uh 30 degrees or 90 degrees depending on if you're american or not so it's blazing hot and all the tents are kind of sweaty but (laughs) they are filled with really interesting games and some of them are games that will eventually become retail things PlayStation's a really big sponsor of it, so they bring a lot of stuff down, and Nintendo are there as well, which is awesome, considering the size of this thing. It's, like, pretty small. Mm. Um, but the things that, uh, like, really interest me there are the, like, show games, like, the things that people make that, you you know, you're probably like not installations. ever going to Yeah, like, installation yeah. pieces or 
just incredibly weird stuff like this year they had a, a vr thing where you had to put an entire elephant head on your head and then serve tea with your and trunk pretend you're in a tie fighter <laughs> pretend you're in a tie fighter roll around in a bowl um you had to serve pretend you were max rebo yeah. oh because your trunk that. had some sort of motion sensing on it so you had to use your your real you human like hand to move your elephant trunk around yeah good that kind of thing. Did you play that telephone game? I didn't play it, but I nearly played what it. Okay, what is the, what is what is that? I saw a picture of what looked so. I will tell you. There, I want to back up for half a second because there was okay. a GDC game that we talked about. I think it was an episode that Tom Francis guested on, and it was a game that was basically a shorting out console of a ship. So you had to just be constantly plugging things in using patch cables and all sorts of stuff. This game gave the impression of that style of game where there were screens and hardware and stuff but the only photo that i saw uh was of a person holding a telephone handset that was plugged into the system like Like a payphone phone receiver uh yeah um when you so i i started to play this game i really wanted to play it but time didn't allow but i'd started the process of doing so which involves they talk to the guys and they hand you a clipboard and you have to fill out a little application form um and you fill out some stupid stuff and you hand it back and then they comment on it and circle some things and then make you get in line um and eventually unfortunately i didn't get to do this but they sit you down at your workstation and your workstation is a big monitor and you know a computer for playing this game but also this old telephone kiosk thing um and basically they have built a game that they decided <laughs> they decided to want to make a game that would be impossible to play without a customer support phone line <laughs> so you are a like a kind of nuclear weapons uh, control operator, like, you know, satellite weapons technology thing with all these fucking buttons and, and things, but you have no idea how it works. And so stuff starts happening, but the only way of finding out how to, how to like operate this stuff is to pick up the phone and dial the helpline and then like, you know, listen to the instructions, the robot on the end and like press two for operating this switch, press three for like <laughs> doing that. And it has hold music and you can get like lost in the, <laughs> in oh, the thing. So all the pick, like watching people play it, they're just like, you know, the phone rested under their chin, like, <laughs> typing it up, like a thing, God, that's really pressing good. it, looking really uh, lost. Good. That's I'm amazing. sad I didn't get to it. Do you know what it was play. called? It's called Operator. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, that's really good did play another game called line wobbler have you seen that <laughs> nope <laughs> it's a 1d dungeon crawler game that's it takes place on a strip of led lights that's like several meters long and like just goes straight up a, a big pole hmm. um and the controller is um you know those kind of spring coiled uh, doorstop things that like you put on the back of a door so that if it, like or the, the wall yeah the space was yeah one yeah. of those that's the controller for it so <laughs> you can move it left and right to move uh, an LED up and down this strip of lights and that's your character um, and you might encounter another dot of a different color and if you do if you wobble the thing and make it go then uh, that's how you attack it and kill it otherwise it will kill you um, and then there are other like uh, things you have to traverse, like those lava fields that are kind of darkened yellow and then suddenly will go bright orange, which means they're active and you have to kind of go past them mm. when they're low. But you're basically trying to get all the way to the top and then you'll get to the next level and there'll be like more enemies and there's eventually a boss fight and stuff. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Indicate is filled with things like that, which is why it's fun. Yeah, it's cool. An interesting place. Nice. Cool. Read some reader, reader mail? mail? Yeah. Read it to me. 
I oh, will. man, that was the new Ritter Mail theme right <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Read it to me. Reader mail. Uh, so we have a couple Downwell emails that I wanted to read because I didn't talk anymore about Downwell this week, even though I've continued to play a lot of Downwell. I've unlocked so many palettes, and you're right. Oh, yeah. Man, playing them, with huh? the original Game Boy Color palette, it just feels like a different game. Everything feels yeah. so soft and tame and mm-hmm. boring, except you're still being fucking wrecked. Yep. But like you get lulled into a sense of just of calmness. Mm-hmm. because of, Anyway, Downwell. Uh, so Pierre-Yves Lafleche writes... Wait, what? Pierre Wr- writes, my name is Boss. Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. continuing. <laughs> Hello, Thumbs. Halfway through your discussion about Dunwell, I went to pick it up on my iOS device. I played through it a couple times, and then on my third playthrough, I made it to the final boss. That was very fun and Excuse relaxing. Excuse me? I what the fuck? Myself. What? Oh, okay, wait. <laughs> I, put it to wait I put it away until that evening when I decided to check out if anyone was streaming it. And indeed, there were, there were a couple people playing it on Twitch. I watched them play something that looked exactly like my version of Downwell, but was also very different. Oh, man. Turns out my old iPhone 4 runs Downwell at about one-tenth the normal speed. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I think I'll stick with this version. Thanks That's to incredible. the cast, Pierre-Yves Lafleche, a Zen master. Oh, I guess from the forums. That's so good. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's really good. What an Can enjoyable game! The way that people have been talking about this game and then playing through and just like hey, I got to the boss, pretty pretty cool, fun, nice, nice, nice game. Anyway, <laughs> done with that one. Yeah, that is like going. Oh, I've heard about this super hexagon game. Yeah, and then just a like, gear slowly, slowly. <laughs> <you're> just, <laughs> oh, it's okay. kind of like a ma- it's like a hedge maze. Like, yeah, it's like a maze exploration <laughs> game. <laughs> All right, so uh, T. Phineas Fish Esquire writes, Hi, wow, Thumbs. names today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was actually an email that he originally wrote on the forums, and I, I thought he should send it in, so uh, he did. Um, he writes, I'm glad you guys talked about Downwell. I appreciated hearing the Spelunky fanatic angle. I never got into Spelunky, but I love Nuclear Throne, and this game feels a lot like that. Obviously, from a visual standpoint, but also the way I gravitate towards specific weapons and perks, rather than feeling like I have to grasp everything. There's also some Luftrausers in the use of wacky three-color schemes. Pastel and Vivid are particularly great. Grandma, a close third. The combo stuff is really cool, but I'm not sure how I feel about how it's presented. I wonder how many people play a little bit and bounce off before they figure out the fun of chaining a bunch of bounces or before they get to levitate, which really makes combos a lot easier to do. The levitate perk only changing the physics of your character without changing any other balance makes me wonder if high-level players would stop using it. World 3 does introduce a time-based mechanic, but I haven't gotten there Enough to know if dropping faster would make that easier or tougher. As a weird aside, I play most of my 2D games on an arcade stick, as long as I can get the buttons to work out. It feels particularly great with Downwell, because it uh, uses three digital inputs. It also has a very arcade-style presentation with a very narrow vertical field of play, reminiscent of a lot of early arcade vertical shooters. I might try that vertical monitor monitor trick if I can figure out how to do it later. A cool Super Metroid thing I noticed. Jake noticed the level design is similar to that of vertical Metroid rooms. That's probably a direct inspiration because this game literally has the Super Metroid wall jump mechanic. That is to say, if you jump with enough lateral momentum or bounce off an enemy, you'll spin as you jump, which lets you do a single wall jump. There's even a short wall jump pose if you move away from a wall you're touching, just like in Super Metroid. The way bounces let you refresh your wall jump must give the game a huge skill ceiling. Sorry for the long email. Thanks for all the well-casted pods. Miles. Man, I did not notice that there was wall jumping in this. You can only do the wall jump if you have full charge, full weapon charge. Oh, okay. Yeah, full boot charge, I guess, most accurately. Right. Uh, and yeah, you can do it once because um, 
well, you just can. Right, but anytime but you, you bounce, recharge, you'll recharge yeah. it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's I find myself doing it on accident more than anything else, to be honest. Because in the game, I'm so I've become so obsessed with just upping my combo count, which I think now I've gotten up into the seventies. So that like I, it would I would never. Does a wall jump the, reset you? No, it's just risky because if you fuck it up. You'll fall to the ground, you know. Like right. you'll just, you know what I mean. Like it's just a, you got to get good at your wall jumps, Chris. I know. I practice them in the side rooms sometimes because often there will be a little gem that's higher than right. you can jump normally. So I'll practice my wall jumps to get that gem. Um, yeah, I like I like this email. I thought there were a lot of good observations. I I do think that it's very likely that a lot of people have bounced off this game because the things that make it deep are definitely not obvious when you just play it without any priming and that was the case for me until i read doug wilson's um opinion piece about it when he sort of listed off some of the important uh properties of the of the game and its systems um and also uh one other thing that he said in this email that i wanted to mention um oh yes i really like the nuclear throne comparison um that game in terms of just the core loop that is probably actually a closer, a, a more appropriate comparison than Spelunky is because Nuclear Throne is another game where it is just constant pandemonium. Spelunky has like huge bursts of pandemonium and but also a lot of sitting around and planning. And you can play down well like that, but is not what the game encourages or rewards. The game encourages and rewards a more nuclear throne like experience almost like manic just, flow state right? yeah exactly that's exactly a great way to put it and constantly grabbing gems and power-ups and they're just sort of all flowing into you as you're just going fucking bananas um we didn't talk about nuclear throne that much i think we had one episode where you had played it chris and that yeah. was that maybe it was maybe I played it. that game for a few weeks um it didn't grab me have you come back to it because it's been like evolving no, like hell that, for the last yeah, year right no i haven't i i know that that, that game has been under just constant sort of ongoing development which is really cool it seems I, like it's settled down lately is that correct it would have that have to be the case right yeah yeah i'll, I'll check it out again i i liked what i played of it. it didn't grab me in the way that either spelunky or downwell have but i mean that's those are doesn't mean anything um yeah it's a cool game as is this oh and jake actually i have a question for you have you ended up settling on any color scheme that isn't the standard one? No, I kind of noodle around. I play with the most recent one that I get for a couple rounds, then go back to the the high contrast default one because I think it's the most easy to see. I find yeah. I played with blue, orange, and white for a while just because I liked the insanity of that color scheme. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you have I, a preferred? Um, I play with vivid most of the time. I don't know if I have that, which one is yet. just kind of like a more like garish <laughs> version of the original, I suppose. Um, just because I, not for any particular reason other than I just wanted to see if I could get myself acclimated to one that wasn't the normal one. And that was the one that didn't repel Yeah, I don't me. think I have it yet. And then when I, I still occasionally play on iOS, maybe like once every few days, I don't have a, I don't have a high tolerance for it because I, I just find it so much more awkward than, than playing with the controller. But like every once in a while I'll play it on my phone and on my phone, I use the matcha, um, sort of green, it's like the it's like the default but with, green. with the yeah. Oh, someone pointed out on the forums that if you do play this game on iOS and if you're a hardcore iOS human being who actually has a Bluetooth gamepad, Downwell uh, yeah. actually does let you pair yeah. uh, a proper gamepad with that, so you can 
You can get any experience you could ever want with yeah. your, your iPad monitor, Pro. monitor, phone touchscreen, phone controller, whatever you buy, iPad. Courier prototype. <laughs> Two of them running at the same time on your courier screens. Like those, like those crazy um, Japanese videos of people um playing double dance dance revolution like playing two-player dance dance revolution on their own yeah or mm-hmm. like crazy tetrises where they're doing two of them at the same time and it's crazy just, tetrises that's what it's that's the official competition <laughs> crazy tetrises who will be crowned the crazy tetris boss <laughs> 2013 you will mm-hmm. i wish chris tried believe me yeah oh yeah uh speaking of spelunky Andy Hall writes, hey guys, Andy Hall here, programmer of Spelunky. <gasps> I'll probably regret telling you this, but in my spare time sometimes, I like to make silly songs. As it happens, the name of one of my songs from a few years ago is Dr. Daddy Longlegs. <laughs> Since it seemed like you guys were on the hunt for the perfect Daddy Longlegs song, I figured I'd pass it along. It's pretty bad. Enjoy. Oh, we're in Daddy Longlegs territory. Yep. He's got eight arms to move and bend. He's got eight hands that he can lend. He's got eight arms to hug and love. He's got eight hands to wear a glove. The web he weaves is not of lies, but of beads to live our lives by. <laughs> That's yeah. the most amazing part. Yep. Yeah. You can call me crazy, but he's the doctor. So, the doctor, Daddy Longlegs. So there you go. Yeah, he's a doctor of love. <laughs> that is Andy Hall, wow. programmer of the incredible game Spelunky with Dr. Daddy Longlegs. Yeah, I know people have been saying that maybe Downwell is like challenging the Spelunky throne, but I think we've now ruled definitively that Spelunky. Uh, Beats all. Beats all just yeah. by by virtue of having a Daddy Long Legs song associated with it. Yep. True. <laughs> uh, Jordan Pugh writes, also, thanks for writing in, Andy. Your game's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You made, like, the game that I've played more than anything else in uh, my adult life, probably. Um, Jordan Pugh writes, hello again, Thumbs. I have a few questions. Have you played more Spelunky than guitar in your adult life? Oh, God. Don't I, I don't want to have to figure that out. <laughs> my answer might be yes. <laughs> That's terrible. Sorry, hearing Dr. Daddy Longlegs made me think about yeah, that comparison. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so Jordan Pugh writes, Hello again, Thumbs. I have a few questions. Uh, one, how does your mail system work? If I ask a question and it is not read on the podcast that week, can I assume it was rejected? If not, is it frowned upon to resubmit questions to make sure they don't get buried if I really want them answered? Um, I will... I'll just answer these questions in order, I suppose. Uh, that is, no, we we very, very, very frequently. The way it works, I guess I'll just explain how it works. So the way it works is we have a folder that all email goes into when you send it to questions at idlethumbs.net. Send in your mail today. And from there, I can put it in a number of other folders, the most important one of which is uh, the to read folder. And that is the folder that I browse through usually during the break on the podcast um, and find emails to read. And often I will pull emails back from like, in some cases, months earlier. I've, I've gone several months back before. I will usually pick emails based on 
just the composition of who's on the podcast a given week, the things we've talked about on the show, um, any number of other factors that just seem relevant. So that means if you don't hear your email the week you sent it in, that doesn't necessarily mean we're not going to read it. In fact, it's probably relatively rare to read emails the same week they're sent unless they're about something specifically topical that I want to keep current. For instance, if you were the programmer of Spelunky exactly. and wrote a song called uh, <laughs> yes. Dr. Daddy Longlegs, yeah. it's probably going to show up. Yeah, yeah, that goes in the folder called Daddy Longlegs. Right. <laughs> also, we have a folder for Daddy Longlegs songs. <laughs> Finally. I mean, we set it up in 2008 when we started this podcast, and man... We had to talk about that Daddy Long Legs song a few weeks ago to finally yeah. bring him in. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I, you can, I guess, you can send them back again if you want. I would probably prefer you not, honestly, because I, I do look at all the emails that come in. Um, and we, there are times where we just get there, – there are times where we don't get as much email. And then there are times where we get more than we can actually read. So I end up spreading them across a number of episodes. And then sometimes people ask things, ask things that we just wouldn't be comfortable answering, so I just I just can't read them. Um, anyway, number two, I decided to work to work through the catalog of podcasts from the beginning, so I have some questions to some old stuff. For games, when will Nick come back to the show? <laughs> <laughs> for games with established source material like Dante's Inferno, how much is a video game allowed to deviate for the sake of making a good game? For example, if a survivor for survival horror game were made about Anne Frank, then an attic would make a fairly subpar setting. Could the designer make alterations such as allowing the player to wander the entirety of a large house avoiding SS officers? On another note, an Oculus Rift floor of a real Dante's Inferno setting would be really cool. Um, Jay Allard. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could do that. I don't know why it would be... Someone please make that game. I don't know why that wouldn't be a different story. Like, it wouldn't really have to be an Anne Frank game at that point, right? I mean, it sounds like most games at this point, hiding from SS offices <laughs> you know, in a That's building. Yeah. It's just that you're a little girl. I mean, you could just make that game, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think if the game. if the EA presents uh, the vision, we're still around, that it made Dante's Inferno, and they were to adapt Anne Frank. As well Frank, as the great Gatling Gunsby. Yeah. yeah. One, <laughs> they should go out of business well before they get near adapting Anne Frank. <laughs> They did, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess they didn't. They made Dead Space instead. They, uh, the ultimate literary adaptation. It's a dark That's retelling, true. the Anne Frank saga. Well, I mean, Dead Space was loosely based on Anne Frank. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I guess the answer to this reader's question is you can go pretty fucking far. <laughs> uh, number three. Um, uh, that's, yeah. Is that why you keep finding journals in those games? Like Anne Frank's. <laughs> that's also why you pages. wear a spacesuit and remove limbs from aliens. Yeah, that's Anne Frank. Classic. Yeah. So uh, Anne. So Anne. That's so Anne. That's so Anne. So Dead Anne. space. <laughs> it's the same game. They just branded it. That's so Anne. It's why that. It's why that <laughs> for, for the German market. Do you remember that episode when Steve Gaynor was obsessed with the Necro so Flyer? That weird, like, beast oh, yeah. in, in one of the Dead Space, like, spinoff games that had that horrible toupee? That was Adolf Hitler's hair. Oh, gross. <laughs> Jesus. Look it up. Look up Necroflyer. Look up, look up Necroflyer on the Dead Space wiki. Yeah, probably the Dead Space wiki is what you want. What are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about his next question. This is my old question <laughs> that I am resubmitting. Sorry. Uh, I was wondering if you'd noticed horror games diverging into distinct groups as of late. With earlier games like Resident Evil 1, you had a very unsettling atmosphere coupled with limited defensibility. This seemed to have changed around Resident Evil 4, where the atmosphere of solitude and fear remained with scenes such as the dog maze, but you became a zombie whale-killing badass. 
Now, more currently, horror games seem to have split the style of game into two distinct ones. On the one hand, you have a very creepy atmosphere where your only defense is to run away from whatever chases you. On the other hand, you have games like Left 4 Dead 2 where you become the angel of redeath to any zombie unfortunate enough to cross your path. Left 4 Dead 2 is certainly the extreme most horror shooters still are situated somewhere between it and Resident Evil 4. Stalker is one series off the top of my head that is closer to a creepy shooter, but again, you're still practically a super soldier. As far as I'm aware, there's nothing being made currently that gives the limited defense experience of early Resident Evils. This is just my personal view, but honestly, I'm fairly young and I do not have a very deep knowledge of horror games. Um, I don't play the really scary ones, and to be honest, I've only played the fourth Resident Evil, though I plan on playing the first soon. The majority of my knowledge is secondhand info I have absorbed from conversations online about these other games. I was wondering if you guys see this or if it's a matter of me not being aware enough of how the genre has progressed. What do you think about this? Is it worth losing the middle ground in exchange for distilled horror experiences as well as more lighthearted zombie shooting galleries? That's an interesting observation. I mean, definitely the sort of high atmosphere version has gone to games like Soma and Amnesia where you're mm-hmm. or like um, or like PT. Yeah. PT. Yeah. Or, like going. So I mean, that PT and. It seems like they're they're like the the most extreme extreme of this is games that just have effectively no combat, let alone that's what I'm talking defense. about. None of these. Yeah, I mean, like most of these games have very little combat, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Where you on home? That ghost game. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Notable horror. Or game what was that home. that game that came out a couple years ago where you just had a camcorder in a bold spooky house full of ridiculous enemies? Man, what was the name of that game? Whatever. Squeeze through gaps. <sighs> oh. Oh, with all the crazy beefers? Yeah, so all about it's <laughs> camcorders and beefers all around. Yeah, I can't remember. Camcorders and then there was also um, there was also the game on the island where you have to sort of synthesize medicine. So, oh, so oh, what oh. Miasmata? Miasmata. Miasmata. Yeah, yeah. No, I was actually thinking of that game while you were reading that. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe not super applicable considering there's only one enemy in that game. Yeah, I think. Yeah, the, but it's the, a pretty the, terrifying game. It seems like the specific is, Resident Evil when, One style, which I, I mean, think, I guess maybe you could you could carry out to Silent Hill a tiny. Well, bit. I was going to say Silent, for me, Silent, Silent Hill is totally in that. For category. me, the original Silent Hill is actually. Well, I guess Silent Hill Two by extension feels like the the apex of well, what he's yeah. describing. The, the survival horror. That's that specific genre of horror. Yeah, like, yeah there, there but it's just you're so inept those in those games. No, <laughs> right, but that's what he's talking about, right? It's no, like I know. You have you can defend yourself. It's just really, really hard. Right, but I mean, instead even, of literally not being able to defend yourself the, or being a machine, the closest version yeah. of that, really, I guess that we're in is is stuff like the forest or something, right? Like, yes. I mean, the, yeah. The, yeah. the 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 survival horror modern modern close version of that is kind of the like. It's not. This isn't a horror game. But the, like, the re-roll generative world, craft a bunch of stuff, and you're never going to be powerful enough. Yeah. But there's enough systems there that it's you can point. do it. But you can do it only. Yeah. You can do it through making yeah. a club that eventually degrades and disappears I mean, I was, or whatever. Right, yeah, right. this isn't a horror game. But like, don't starve. I feel like is kind of in yeah. that middle ground where you can't. You're not. Your objective is not to kill all right, the where things. The, the world but you can sort of like yeah, where you are effectively powerless. Too. But if you can just scrape by enough with the sort yeah. of emergent systems that, are, that the world gives you you can you can mm-hmm. do it but that's very different than than the like, i'm sure like the way that bullets and health is metered out in resident evil is by design to let you barely be scraping by all the time yeah i mean like, alien isolation might be oh, yeah. a halfway example of this in some ways in other ways i mean it's you're shooting a bunch of androids but i yeah, feel like there are of, there are parts of that game that hit on that parts of the last of us is quite uh, survival horror-esque. There's like oh, yeah. very limited resources yeah. and, and very you know specific choices made when trying to confront enemies. Yeah. Um, 
but then true, you also although, like get into combat with guns. Yeah, and stuff, which is yeah, but. yeah, yeah. That game, I, that, I rarely, yeah, that game definitely wasn't sort of a horror game in the way that I think of a Resident Evil or Silent Hill game being, where I'm just like scared all the time, or at least feel like I'm supposed yeah. to be scared all the time. And yet they do put you in, you know, a darkened room that yeah, is all wrong like, with yeah. clicker. But that's like here's this, and, here's like a moment, here's like yeah. a section that's like a little pocket. Of a survival horror feel. You is know what Outlast I mean? the name of the game full of camcorders and beefy uh, guys? You might be right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It sounds familiar. So the, those like Resident Evil and, and and Silent Hill and stuff will, you know, come from from like Japanese yeah. survival horror stuff. And I wonder if there still are lots of survival horror stuff. I mean, there was a lot. There was a lot in the dark. Um, a lot in the dark yeah, is, the, and, like, is um, the original survival yeah, horror, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot mm. in the dark is a fixed camera. That was European. Yeah, but it's like it's pre-rendered camera angles, and we've talked about this before, the fact that Alone in the Dark even has, like, you walk past a window, and the window breaks, and then later a dog <laughs> jumps through right. it. Like, yeah, it yeah, has yeah. everything you could ever want. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Until Dawn is taking up that mantle now. Mm. A hark back to 90s FMV right, horror right, stuff, right. like Seventh Guest yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll be curious if um, to hear any sort of games we're missing if readers write into questions at idlethumbs.net with obvious things we've missed or or maybe not right, obvious, obvious things. things that harken back to being a survival horror thing but are not 100% designed to be a like in a spiritual successor to Resident Evil or whatever because that feels like where we're coming around to like to reclaiming Resident Evil and Silent Hill mechanics not Silent Hill no one's going to like pe- there's going to be a you know the way that there's like cockpit redux games now that are like clearly mm-hmm. you're aiming to be the combat of wing commander two or right, those stuff right. type yep. i imagine someone is is working on pumping Someone's out that, that kickstarter that that silent hill spiritual successor yeah probably uh not silent hill did i say silent hill you did God, silent you did. hill would be so much harder to do than resident evil mm-hmm. yeah well and they were going to do it and didn't Silent Hills. PT, yeah. Oh, PT's. That's nothing like Silent Hill, though. PT's so different than Silent yeah. Hill. I mean, The Evil Within was the Resident Evil creator's game, and it, it, it definitely skewed more towards Resident Evil 4 than any of the early ones. Yeah. Oh, Spath, you never talked about Life is Strange, but maybe we can talk about it in the future. Sure, we can time travel next week and then. Blah, <laughs> <laughs> blah. That's a joke about the game Life is Strange. <laughs> Yeah, we can talk about that next week. Cool. All right. Well, maybe that's it this week. Maybe it is. Let's Perhaps. Go home. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you have any email that you would like to send us that may or may not get read next week. <laughs> <laughs> Might go in the Daddy Long Legs folder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, send it to questions at idlethumbs.net. Also, if you like this podcast, please consider telling a friend, um, recommending us to other people who you think might be into our show is pretty much the best way we have of spreading the word. And if you do appreciate us and think that we're doing something worthwhile, consider rating us on iTunes as well. That is that is probably the second best way we have to to try and get the word out organically. Um, We have a number of other shows at idlethumbs.net. Uh, about topics similar to to what we do, but also very different, such as Three Moves Ahead, which is the premier strategy gaming podcast on the internet. Uh, it is hosted by Rob Zachney, 
uh, was co-founded by Troy Goodfellow, and they have a rotating cast of strategy game experts, and they just launched a Patreon to help support their show, which they've been running for years and years for free. And if you go to patreon.com slash 3MA, you can pledge a however much you want um, to help 3MA uh, stay on the air and maybe put a few bucks in their pockets to help out with the, all of the time and effort that they put into the show. Um, they have a couple stretch goals up there, such as um, an exclusive or not exclusive, but a sort of bonus paradox focused monthly podcast that they would do, which I know a lot of their listeners have demanded because paradox games are very attractive to the strategy gaming crew. Um, and their even crazier stretch goal is a history book club. Anyway, you go to patreon.com slash three MA. If you like three moves ahead and would like to support their show, all the rest of our shows can be found at idlethumbs.net, including this one and that one. And the other one and the other ones. Thanks for listening. The other Bye. one, the other one is terminal seven. That's true. <laughs>Did he, when he visited, did he spring out of a small box? <laughs> he would have. Exactly. I mean, that's that's actually when he would call me Jasper, he was always doing things like that. Unfurling. Like, hey, Jasper. Scare the shit out of me. <laughs>